0: Good morning, Cafe Bitcoiners. Good morning, Don Bay, Terrence, Mickey. Wow, Mickey changed your profile pic in honor of getting out of the military, I'm guessing.
1: No, my wife made me do it.
0: (laughs) Sure. Morning, Jacob. Morning to uh, all y'all. This is Cafe Bitcoin episode 452. Shout outs to our supporters on Fountain and Noster Nests. Met a longtime supporter listener from Fountain at Live at Pacific Bitcoin. You know who you are. It's really great. Um, just want to thank you for your support, man. And all of you who are regular listeners. Got a bunch of stuff lined up today. Mostly some interesting clips that are... Newsworthy things that are happening out there, and uh, later today, as a guest, um, we've got Steve. Jacob won't let me say his last name. He's a he's a privacy oriented guy. Anyway, Steve is the chief toxicologist at the Rally Bitcoin meetup. He is um, a guy who. A lot of people actually respect quite a bit in the Bitcoin space. Go to him for advice, even, on uh, technical things. And he has created this thing called UTXO Oracle. And basically, you can get the price of Bitcoin without any exchange to third party. It's pretty interesting. We're going to be digging into that, among other things, with him a little later. Born and Shelly, Warren Terrence, Peter... All right. Good morning. First thing up is apparently JP Morgan has de- is debuting a tokenized BlackRock share as collateral with Barclays. So BlackRock said the tokenization of money market fund shares as collateral in clearing and margining transactions would dramatically reduce the operational friction in meeting margin calls. I don't know if any of you have seen this or know anything about it or have looked at it. <laughs> so Shelly's not, a, not a fan. So does this mean that JP Morgan is cl- now climbing Mount stupid and, sh- and creating their own shit coin? Or is this something that's completely different? Because I don't know. It seems to me that every country, every extra sovereign entity like the imf every country and every major financial institution will probably at some point create their own shitcoin and then rug everybody now i don't know that's how i feel about it terrence what do you know
2: um it, i don't know much other than you don't need a token for this stuff you can just pledge the shares i'm not i don't get it Maybe there's something to it, but I highly, highly doubt it. I think there's a. It's one of those things. Where it's a non-zero chance. There's something valuable, as with almost anything. But it's a near-zero chance. There's anything there. It's a waste of time and probably, probably performative. That Just play some freaking
3: cards.
1: Is it is it a stable coin or they're just tokenizing shares of, of like a stock or something? I hey, I don't It's a good
0: understand. it's a good question. I'm not sure I fully understand it. Let me read a little bit more about this. So JP Morgan has carried out its first live blockchain-based collateral settlement transaction involving yeah, you can stop BlackRock.
4: Did, they said blockchain. You can just stop. We know what it is.
0: <laughs> okay, aside from you interrupting me Let's get, let's get a little more info here. JP Morgan's Ethereum-based Onyx blockchain in the bank's tokenized collateral network was used by BlackRock to tokenize shares in one of its money market funds. Tokens were then transferred to, block, to Barclays PLC for collateral in an OTC derivatives trade. So can, can sounds you, a lot can like you a get any more
4: word salad in there, Alex? I mean come on. This is nope, obviously nope. just just, just smoke and
1: mirrors.
0: Right, it's nothing.
3: Ethereum based. Did they say Ethereum
0: based? Shelly, you're you're coming in and out. Yes, Shelly, they did say
4: Ethereum based, um, because of the word "salad," I'm going to say this is just smoke and mirrors. There's nothing to it. They they don't need to do this. This is just, this is, this is somebody somebody trying to uh, create a a solution for a problem that doesn't exist.
2: Honestly, even if it's Bitcoin based, it would still be word salad and bullshit. Yeah, my original
5: sentiment was (laughs) it was a marketing ploy.
2: You could do this um, as a derivative over the counter without the token. People do over the counter derivative trades with shares, whether it's physical or cash settled, all the time. But it sounds like it, it sounds banks. like
0: a bunch of sounds like to me like a bunch of marketing words yes. used to <laughs> repackage and resell their latest garbage fiat derivatives bullshit.
2: Yeah, my original sentiments was uh, marketing. Now it's a scam.
0: Shelly, we need you to get better internet because you sound like you're coming in and out in robot land with jammers.
6: I think we'll get a lot more information on this at the BlackRock Spot ETF approval after party. I know Terrence will get us in if we need, and I'm sure there they're going to know a lot more about this.
0: We're going to need you to talk to all your people at, at Bloomberg and BlackRock, Terrence. The real
1: Bloomberg.
4: question is, is will we need a tokenized derivative to be able to enter into the party? No, you're going to need an NFT. Well, Terrence will definitely be able to get us copies
2: of that. <laughs> By the way, I'm not seeing the value of BitVM. It looks very complicated, and it's great that you don't need to fork. But moving all this crap. So I'm suddenly seeing people call shit coins altcoins and talking about altcoins, be, uh, the stuff they do on altcoins being moved to Bitcoin because of the – I mean, it's a waste of time.
0: Uh, they will do – tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in business in that product regardless because there are a lot of people who don't know the difference. And they're, they're leaning basically on their reputation in the industry for financial services and saying it's new and cool. It's almost like you can take <clears> – <throat> I heard this one thing a while ago that resonated with me is, is that like modern finance is basically like alchemy. They're packaging and repackaging the same derivative bullshit over and over and over and wrapping it in many layers and calling it a new product and then reselling it again to the same idiots. Yeah, most
2: of it is um, highly regarded and highly leveraged, highly complicated. That's how Wall Street makes such um, huge amounts and fees in structured finance um, and structured products but there is they're not quite exactly the same like you know mortgage backed securities are different from cdos but yeah it's kind of like just
0: layers of complexity um, Yeah, that's what i just said yeah. they, they'll wrap it in a new layer yeah. of complexity or a new vehicle or a new structure or a new something or other but the bottom of, but the at the end of the day <clears throat> it's a derivative of a derivative of a derivative right it's not the underlying asset they're just conjuring new kind of hand wavy Smoke and mirrors, this is the new coolest, latest thing. All you need to do is slap the word AI or blockchain or whatever on top of whatever funny thing you just created and resell it mm-hmm. to the same idiots. Yeah,
2: there, there's some logic to that. I mean, like some people, it's it's easier for them to have everything in one product, right? So I'll give you an example. If you want um limited downside, you're happy to have. You want return of principle, right? You're investing 10 million, you want your 10 million back after five years, after six months, whatever it is. But you want upside to um, both, let's say, Bitcoin and something else, maybe the price of Ethereum. So you want to pull off this kind of complicated trade you can do that in a structured note that would be a simple example it's cheaper for you to do them separately but some people want the convenience of having it all in one package
3: are there
0: are there ways that those kind of instruments slash products can default like blow up like if if the if your counterparty blows up or something does that you know is that a problem yes so
2: the Yes. Usually they're issued by the bank. So when Lehman was issuing them, they would be problematic, right? Or um, even like a Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, when they issue those, because Goldman was basically bailed out by AIG, and all of Wall Street was bailed out, the ones that survived. So at the end of the day,
0: as long as these institutions never fail, then you're good.
2: Or you can do it in a bankruptcy remote entity, such as a special purpose vehicle, like you could set up a passive trust, and the only thing in the trust are U.S. treasuries, call options on Bitcoin, and call options on something else, maybe put options on Ethereum or something like that. So if you have a passive vehicle and you structure it properly, those do not have counterparty real counterparty risk because all, all the only thing that's in there is are those assets so structured properly which is done so if they're structured properly like 99.99 percent of the time um there's no real there's no counterparty risk it's you just have risk to the underlying
0: that sounds very wall streety of you terrence but I'll, I'll take your word for There's it.
2: Kind of, yeah, because the the only thing that you have in the in the, in the the structure, so, so you have a trust, which is just a legal entity, right? And the only thing you have in there is U.S. treasuries. And let's say a call option on Bitcoin, then you're going to get your principal back to the amount of the U.S. treasuries. So if you put in um, $100 million in the trust and you buy $100 million of treasuries, You swap out the interest rate on the treasuries for the call option to pay for the call option. Then, yeah, all you have is principal, U.S. treasury risk on principal. There's no counterparty risk there unless you think the U.S. is going to default. There's no additional counterparty risk, let's say. And then you have the returns on uh, the upside if Bitcoin goes up because you have a call option instead of interest.
0: All right. So, Tomer... Good morning. You've had your hand up for a little while. Let's hear from you. Then, Dombey, you're in charge. I need to go do something real quick.
7: Just as quickly as I can say about things like BitVM, um, if you, it's, it's the ability, allegedly, to run code on Bitcoin. Uh, running code on Bitcoin doesn't make that code bug-proof. It doesn't mean that some counterparty who's liable for what happens if that code executes in a particular way is solvent and can and can pay you. So it, it's it, it's always this um, the, the grift or the mistake in thinking that you can bring Bitcoin's magical properties to something that you do inside of Bitcoin is that is that mistake. Like if you take gold and write a contract on a piece of gold it doesn't make that contract as good as gold. It doesn't make it any better than if it's on paper. It still has all the flaws of people betraying it or there being mistakes in the contract or things of that nature. Uh, so th- there's nothing There's nothing really magical here, like an open source piece of code, whether it's written into Bitcoin or published on some other place where everyone can verify it because it's been hashed and everyone shares the hash, which is a signature of the file, are one are one and the same thing. And people's desire to cram things into bitcoin is is like the attempt to write contracts on gold and think that the contracts are better because you wrote them on a piece of gold they're they're ultimately not gold gold doesn't enforce the contract and bitcoin doesn't enforce some contract like the only contract it enforces is the ownership and transfer and distribution of bitcoin so that's my uh that's my little quick thing
2: in terms of how how to think about these innovations so, Tomer, are you are you basically saying they're taking advantage of Bitcoin's kind of distributed consensus mechanism here? So, it's a way to um, is is that kind of what they're doing?
7: Well, so you I, don't need
2: Well, so or go ahead.
7: Bitcoin has this reputation that it's immalleable, irreversible, errorless, reliable, one hundred percent reliable, you know, one hundred percent unforgetful. You know, it remembers its history all the way to the beginning. And and it's and I think the fallacy that people make is, well, if we put code on here, that code inherits the benefits uh, these benefits of Bitcoin. And so the analogy I'm trying to draw is like gold has all these amazing benefits. It's it doesn't tarnish, it doesn't it's it's divisible, it's scarce, right? All these things that are true about Bitcoin as well. But if you write code on if you write code on gold, it doesn't make that code inherit any of these benefits of uh, of gold. Right? It's just it's words on gold, and I think that's what the at the end of the day, all the, all these kinds of things, whether they're um, BRC twenty tokens or other tokens or other executable code within Bitcoin, it doesn't become. What Bitcoin is, it becomes something that's written on top of Bitcoin, um, and you know it may be it may be there for a long time, but it being there for a long time is not really the issue with code, right? Um, if you have a contract that requires multiple people to change it, then it requires multiple people to change it. One really good feature of contracts is all the parties to the contract can agree to amend and restate it from time to time. And, and if they don't all agree, then the contract by law is not changed. You need everybody's signature on it. Um, the, Bitcoin doesn't enforce the contracts. Right? Like if, if, I owe you, if I owe you a piece of gold, Terrence, and we write it on the Bitcoin blockchain and it turns out that I owe it to you, Bitcoin doesn't transfer that piece of gold to you. It doesn't make me have a piece of gold to give to you. So like the only thing that Bitcoin as a protocol really and truly controls is the ownership of Bitcoin. And if I, if I do some kind of transaction that says if, if a certain event on the Bitcoin blockchain occurs, that transfers, that, that then becomes executable to transfer a coin to an address you control, that is something that Bitcoin can enforce. But it can't really enforce a lot of these other things. And the attempts to do all these smart contracts with oracles, you know, we're starting to get into a deeper topic here. Like there's this thing called the Oracle problem, which is computers can't look into the real world with certainty. They can't, they can't tell whether I've told you a lie. They can't tell whether you've actually shoveled my driveway. You know, we can cheat them on these, uh, on these things. So they don't actually know what's happening in the external, in our universe. And, <clears throat> And, you know, that's one thing. And then the other problem is the more complicated these contracts get, the more prone they are to being exploited, erroneous, or having some other problem with their execution. And so you want to keep these things as as simple as possible. It's why Satoshi created a non-Turing complete language for coding Bitcoin script. It's why he kept removing operational codes from it so that the ambiguities could be removed and it could do the simple thing of serving as a reliable ledger. Um, and so every time all these people try to add back the ambitions that Satoshi explicitly engineered out of Bitcoin, we're going we're going backwards. And, and I actually think a lot of the people who are making these mistakes are genuinely mistaken in making them. They don't understand why it is that Bitcoin is the way it is, and they don't understand that they can't provide like they're they're enamored with these features of Bitcoin, but and and so they want to see these features of Bitcoin inherited into all sorts of other things in the world. But this is not a way to do it. There
6: may not be a way to do it, but this is certainly not a way to do it. You don't you know what it's like Tomer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very you know Terrence talks about branding a lot about how Bitcoin needs to brand better, but it is a lot piggybacking off the Bitcoin brand. It's like if me and you Tomer invented our own cola recipe and we printed our cola recipe on a can of Coca-Cola. And, and uh, from a branding sense, right, like you may, you may whip up this trash-ass cola um, and you got it from a Coca-Cola and that's how we're going to reach people or do whatever we want to do with it, whether we're trying to build a good cola or absolute dog shit. Yeah, but it's not, it isn't Coca-Cola at the end of the day, right?
7: It's something that we wrote on the side of Coca-Cola. And it's exact it, I don't want to say it's exactly it. these are all good metaphors for what is, what's the gap here, what's the mistake? Why do people think they can do and like and the whole of Ethereum is this? It's low. Bitcoin invented a blockchain, which is a database that's immalleable. Um, we're gonna write one that but it, it's limited in its functionality. It only has one token on it, which is Bitcoin and Bitcoin pays people with Bitcoin for doing the proof of work with Bitcoin. We don't care about any of that. We like this idea of, of writing code on something called a blockchain. Our blockchain won't be immalleable. We, we can interfere with it. The code won't be malleable. The code will have exceptions. It will be unreadable. It'll be filled with bugs. But don't worry. You can roll it back. There are essential people to control it back. And by the time you do all this, it's like we found a really, really, really expensive, slow way to run code. And there's a lot of people who can't see that that's all it is. And, and therefore, they think that they're getting something extremely valuable, and, they're ex- and they will trade value for it. And they will think it's better than Bitcoin. They will think these tokens are better than shares or cash. And at the end of the day, all you end up with is contracts that a- execute with flaws, where everybody gets rug pulled. The whole thing gets frozen by mistake. Contracts that are intentionally intended to be rug pulls, and eventually, once they g- gather some money, everyone gets rug pulled. That's been the whole history of crypto. Right. And and all sorts of other shenanigans, none of which end up holding a candle to Bitcoin, none of which come close to serving as money. And and more and and it takes time for people to realize this. Like just to slightly pivot on the topic, Fidelity just recently, a couple of days ago, I think, or last week, released an update to the report of Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin First, called Bitcoin First Revisited. And they have clearly come across, their analysts, at least who have written this, have clearly come out saying, Bitcoin is the only monetary asset in this whole field of crypto. It's the first thing you should own. The other things are much more like investments in venture, which I think is generous to the other things. But, but they have said, look, there's only one thing here that's actually serving, delivering the features of money. The immalleability, the scarcity, the divisibility, the indestructibility, the reliability, all these other things are basically pieces of code that have some promise to execute. But those are promises not enforced by the laws of nature, but enforced by the participants in the system who are issuing the tokens. And so it's still a trust game. Peter, shine, shine some light here.
4: I've got no light to shine. So um, I, I read Shinobi's um, article in in Bitcoin magazine. Um, you know, uh, this is obviously brand new. It's going to be debated and talked about for fucking weeks until we're all sick of it. Um, but it, it appears to me that this is really intended more for um, side chains. And, and I, I'm just curious to know, Tomer, like what is the difference between a side chain and a layer two? Cause it seems like when you were talking about, you know, the code can have problems and, and, you know, there's, there's all these issues that can arise from creating these contracts. The first thing I thought of was the, was the, 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 the pseudo contracts I'm going to say that are made on, uh, on lightning or lightning channels um, that utilizes the, some of the benefits of, of Bitcoin without actually touching the, the, the protocol. So I, I'm curious to know what the difference is between side chains and, and layer two and how that works.
7: Well the def the distinction I'm gonna offer is one that's becoming blurred unfortunately because people start mixing the features of sidechains into layer twos and vi- and vice versa. But I, I think when people were talking about um Side chains, they were often talking about things into which you could put Bitcoin and which you could create other tokens on. Whereas with layer twos, they were talking about ways to move Bitcoin around without having to touch the base layer, without having to touch the Bitcoin blockchain. So that was a similarity, but people have kind of broken through and now people are finding ways to put tokens on layer twos and. And making the argument that within side chains you can also use them as layer twos because you can move Bitcoin on these layer twos and then event uh, on these side chains and eventually settle back. So the distinction is becoming blurred. They're, they they may end up not. you know, the, the notion I think of a side chain ultimately is going to be its format is is in is recorded in a chain. So you take a look at um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it now. The the blockstream side chain um, and liquid you take a look at liquid and it's structured like a blockchain there's a serial number of blocks one gets issued every minute you can lock you can lock bitcoin in it that's um that's different from how lightning works lightning isn't based on its own chain it's a layer 2 that the protocols look at transactions on the bitcoin blockchain and declare that there's lightning Based Bitcoin inside of them, and people can tran- transfer them all around until they settle back um, in in that way. Whereas, if you want to if you want to move a Bitcoin like a liquid Bitcoin on Liquid, you do so on the Liquid blockchain. If you wanted to move some coin around on uh, on Lightning, you just transmit a message to somebody else on the Lightning network. So, I don't know if that's terribly helpful for you, Peter, but I, I do think these two things are two very similar things in terms of how the features that they provide at the end of the day.
6: What else we got in news? Because I was going to talk about a couple of things. Did you guys see the uh, update on the cold card 5.20? Anyone catch that? I just saw that.
0: I did pretty not cheap, see that.
6: What's fair- new? Um looks like they have a new seed vault encrypted multi-seed storage with easy recall, it says. Um there were a couple other things on there that
0: looked pretty I'll put in the storage, the physical storage solution for one of the keys. I think so. Um
6: so uh I'll I'll post it up there, but it looked pretty looked pretty dense.
0: Cool. There is another uh, item if we're ready to move on from this new technical thing, uh, and that is it seems like Joe Rogan is coming around to Bitcoin. It's taken him a while, apparently, to start seeing this on his show. He's always been pretty neutral when it comes to Bitcoin, and he's had a bunch of Bitcoin guests on, but there's a video, Jacob, if you have this handy where joe rogan is is talking about it and he says some things that he's never said before so if you're ready let's roll it
8: i mean the the real fascinating crypto is bitcoin to me i mean that's the one that i think has the most likely possibility of becoming uh, a universal viable currency and it's you know, it's limited in the amount that there can be it's you know, you, you people mine it with their own computer It's like that to me is very fascinating yeah. and I love the fact that it's been implemented and that at least some. like I've had uh, Andreas Antonopoulos on the podcast and he's when he talks about it he's Living it. He's spending
9: all of his money. Everything he gets cool. paid is in Bitcoin. He pays his rent in Bitcoin Everything he
8: does is in Bitcoin
7: When did he have Andreas on his show? Like, it's years ago.
2: And yeah, it was a long like time he, ago.
7: It feels like he took this memory out of out of the freezer and looked at it. And I you know, Andreas may still do that, but he's reflecting on the past. And and it's still true. But I'm not sure that we should take this statement to say he's been ex- looking at Bitcoin again. And just he remembered what. No, I don't
0: think that's what it, I don't, I I don't, I I did not. Yeah. I, well, I did not get that from this. So this is the way human beings come to conclusions. Sometimes when we focus on a particular thing, we'll do all the research, get all the data points, and then create an observation or a hypothesis or a conclusion, right? Other times it's this long fricking journey with different touch points. And if he's encountering new touch points that have got him coming to a conclusion, he'll remember back to the most impactful things along the way. There's there's table legs holding up the table of the way a man thinks. And and I think that is what's happening here. That particular interview with, with um, Antonopoulos was back in February 2021. But I think it's only recently that he's starting to connect dots in his mind. And that's one of his table legs. Mickey?
1: Yeah, I, I listen to Joe relatively frequently. <clears throat> and this is this is not the first time he's spoken like this. So he'll say he'll say something along these lines every couple of months. Probably for the last like eighteen to twenty four months. Um, I think he's just he's just careful because his audience is so huge. He doesn't wanna, you know, provide financial advice. But this is definitely not the first time he's spoken like this.
9: Yeah, that's that's why I have the opinion that he's he's been avoiding the whole Bitcoin discussion at like in in depth to just avoid turning off a major portion of his audience. Because if you if you watch like when as he's like progressively like talked about Bitcoin in in the uh, in the affirmative, um, it it tends to follow after like major events of like people coming out and stating that he uh, he like he's more like leaning towards the Bitcoin side. I, I I I agree with Mickey. I think it's more just managing his, his branding and not trying to get pinned down as like a, a Bitcoin or a Bitcoin maximalist. I think that's really all it is. He's
6: got to be careful what he endorses. He, 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 with Bitcoin, got to be careful. But a thing where you chew it, a piece of rubber to make your jaw thicker, that's, that's, that's legit.
0: So you guys... <laughs> yeah, that's
9: a fair point.
0: <laughs> your guys' view is that he's actually a Bitcoiner. Maybe he's just uh, careful about what he's saying. By the way, Mickey, it's not really financial advice. uh, According to the radio, when you say financial advice, that's usually a regulatory disclaimer of some sort. And there's no financial advice in Bitcoin. It's property according to the regulators, which is awesome. I mean, that was one of my first questions when I joined Swan, when I had a conversation with Corey about him. One of my first questions is, what licenses do we need to talk about this? And he's like, that's the great part. None. You don't need licenses because it's property. So if it's property, if we have a discussion about it, it's no different than us arguing over which truck is the best. I think fucking, you know, X, Y, Z truck is better than X, Y, Z truck. Or I think this particular firearm is better than that particular firearm. It's just some people discussing their opinions about a thing
1: so before I forget, <clears throat> if you would have played that Rogan clip like maybe a minute or two longer, so he's he's speaking with Sam Altman, and he tries to bring up Worldcoin, and Joe just completely brushes him off, and it's it's pretty hilarious, actually. So,
4: yeah. so a couple a couple of things. One, um yesterday, we were talking about how um, Bitcoin seems to be closer to the tips of people's tongues lately. Um, it seems to be more relevant. People are are really seeing the effects of um, some of the the issues that Bitcoin provides a solution for. Um, I, I also want to say, when it comes to Joe Rogan, I mean, how much time do you have in the day, right? I mean the the, the man the man does a lot of stuff. Um, you only have so much time in the day to, you know, uh, appropriate to whatever it is that you're looking at. And we in here spend an inordinate amount of time every day thinking about and living Bitcoin. It's just what we do. And so I think sometimes we get this idea that that's what everybody's doing and not everybody's doing that. And particularly not a guy like Joe Rogan doesn't mean to say that he's not a Bitcoiner. Um, But the other thing is, is that if you look at this slow progression, this is this is what What Bitcoiners do, Bitcoiners do this kind of slow, you know, take things in, think about it, you know, and and kind of chew on things, as as Dom was saying, they chew on the rubber to make their their jaw a little stronger. And so we really don't know what's going on in the background with him, whether he's a Bitcoiner or not a Bitcoiner. Um, But I would say that that just my general impression is that he, along with along with many other. Um, people in our communities and, and, and many other uh, signals in the society are that um, the, the, the solutions that Bitcoin provides um, are coming to the fore because, because those problems are coming to the fore.
1: It's, it's sort of in that same vein. Um, I put it on the nest, but I didn't want to forget to mention it. Is, is Forbes actually just came out with a, with a Bitcoin-only newsletter like yesterday or the day before. And so I, I think I think you're exactly right. Like it, it's on the tip of people's tongues. It's permeating the culture, you know. I think I think everyone's starting to feel it. And and now people are following the incentives.
6: What's interesting with Rogan and why I'm happy to see just positive mention is is I've personally talked to a handful of, you know, Rogan fans that, and I don't know if you guys have this ever where their values are very much aligned with Bitcoin in that lack of trust for the central government, lack of trust for fiat and the big money players. Um, you know, they, they have a healthy skepticism of three letter agencies. Um, but, but they haven't found Bitcoin yet. Um, and there is a subset of that group where you're like, you know, I talk to them and you're like, Hey, you, you question all these things, but you are kind of not on Bitcoin yet. Like what's your, like, what, what's the, what's the holdup? What's the opposition? And I think for a lot of them, it's just all the scam stuff that went down. They haven't sorted Bitcoin out from all the other BS fallout. And so someone like Rogan can help those folks. Um, if he can really put out some good education and, and good content on that, that'll be huge.
9: I've experienced the same thing talking with buddies that are in the, uh, particularly in like the banking or financial sector and, uh, including wall street and they like, they'll have all these positions and I'll, and I'll end up like, I'll talk with them for a while and be like, you know, you sound exactly like a Bitcoiner. you just don't like Bitcoin. And it's not from a position of that you understand Bitcoin and decide not to like it. You just don't want to look into it whatsoever. Right, and that could that could be their their incentives of like the fiat system. They're not incentivized to look into it or understand it or whatever. But yeah, it is an interesting thing, Don. Like a lot of people do share and hold a lot of the like I don't know if I want to say that like the ethos, but like their their beliefs or their uh, their kind of like decision making tree or the way that they go about thinking things is very very similar, in particular to the Bitcoin community, and.
0: Mo- most visit. people who don't do their own thinking and their own research just all they really do is is listen to a super signaler and adopt their and adopt their memory. Every you yeah. know, there over time, over the years, there have been super signalers that have basically said negative things about Bitcoin. And people who don't do their own research who who revere those particular super signalers, they just adopt their framework. They're like, oh. This person said this, this, and this, therefore Bitcoin bad. They have no idea what it is.
9: Well, and like part of it is also, and this is why for the last couple of years, I've been ad nauseum trying to get a lot, like a, as many Bitcoiners as I can to like shift the way that they're talking about the whole Bitcoin topic and not trying to shove it down everybody's throats. Because every individual that talks about Bitcoin is a representative of like the Bitcoin industry or the Bitcoin community, right? And like that doesn't help with trying with like opening the doors to people um, even having the, the the willingness or the desire to look into the asset if they have average individuals that are just spitting in their face and trying to shove down the whole bitcoin topic down their throats.
6: Yeah some people aren't ready to leave the matrix, right Mike?
9: Yep. Neo yeah, wasn't it? just keep that in mind. Oh, and by the way, on that point, Dom, uh, one of the guys that was, uh, that is still in my former unit, he brought up a good point that like I would posted on Facebook, that you like the whole Jeff Booth quote, like you can't change the system from within the system. And uh, my, my former Sergeant brought up a great point in the sense of, yeah, Neo did go outside of the system, but remember he had to go back inside into the system to change it which I had never thought about. I was like, Oh damn, that's a really
0: good point. That's the opposite of what Jeff Booth says though. Jeff Booth says you're not going to change the system from the inside. We need to build a new system outside the, outside the current one.
6: Well, I think what, what, you know, he went in the system to pull people out. You know, that's a, that's a key part. And sometimes you have to go within that system to remove people and help them find Bitcoin and, and, uh, see what's going on around them yeah you may not change the the program um from inside but it but you can change it from the outside and pull more people out and you do have to go into that system uh frequently to do that
9: no 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 remember remember he had to go actually into the very depths of the system he had to go to the mainframe to change well he did both
0: right but dom is right like that was dom's point was pretty mind-blowing to me just now because that's, that's essentially what you're doing. You're taking these people who are programmed, they see a reality around them that they think is real, but it's not. And they don't know that many times. That's deep. You guys sound pretty bullish on Bitcoin regardless of what these super-signalers say who are trying to crap on it. So there is someone who disagrees with you and uh, I think you'll all know who this guy is. When you hear this, Jacob, if you're ready, let's play the clip of the person disagreeing.
5: I said I wanted to talk about Robinhood, but I also just looked uh, on the screen behind you and I saw the price of Bitcoin. And I know every time we've spoken, <laughs> uh, you, you've had a take on Bitcoin. Do you have a, a new take? I, I, Still I holding? Think,
10: I think. I think now the Barbarous Relics and I would lump gold and Bitcoin together. Wait a minute. I think Stop. they probably is this tutor? On. That's tutor.
9: That's definitely Tudor. That's
0: definitely Tudor, man. You got That's me tutor, fucked man. up and backwards. <laughs> okay. Which one? The Disagreer. The Disagreer. Man, I I teed that up perfectly for you. The it's Disagreer. Gotta be, it's got to be The other right? guy. The other guy. Oh,
11: I got it. I got it.
0: Sorry. Get him Man.
11: Times. My bad. This is, this is the Disagreer coming now.
10: happened to gold, it actually has been. Clearly, it's suppressed.
4: You can't be in something where Mr. Bitcoin is about to go down big. I would not touch crypto in a million years. These people who own these things should not own them. They shouldn't own them. I think you're, I do think you're an idiot.
0: Dude, that totally fell flat. It was timed perfectly if you just played it when it, uh,
6: Jake, if you can play that, we'll do it live, clip, and then we'll recover.
9: What is this, like the first slip-up in, like, years? I think Jacob's allowed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's, yeah, I guess.
9: But it was Jim Cramer, I believe, is the clip that you're talking
0: about.
6: Cramer's such an asshat. I think
0: he's hilarious. (laughs) He's he's great anti signal. These the it's the just do the opposite of whatever that dude says is going to happen. You're pretty much well, good to go.
6: he's great at throwing out every scenario, so he can just go back and go, yeah, I you know I knew that Bitcoin was going to come around. Look at this clip where a day earlier I was like, this thing has potential, and then next one I was calling uh, Bankman Freed Mister Bitcoin, and it was coming down. Just throw as much shit out as you can.
9: Who was the disagreer, Alex? Was it Kramer or was it somebody
0: else? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's let's hear what Paul Tudor Jones has to say about this now.
5: I forgot. Go ahead. I said I wanted to talk about Robin Hood, but I also just looked uh, on the screen behind you and I saw... The price of bitcoin and i know every time we've spoken uh you you've had a take on bitcoin do you have a, a new take i i still I, holding? Think,
10: I think i think now the barbarous relics and i would lump gold and bitcoin together i think they probably take on uh, a larger percentage of your portfolio than historically they would because we're going to go through both a challenging political time here in the united states and we're going to go through, we've obviously got a geopolitical right. situation. So I would, I would say...
5: But high interest rates were supposed to be the thing that was actually going to be unhelpful to Bitcoin.
10: Well, it, and I think on a relative basis, look what's happened to gold. It actually has been. Clearly, it suppressed it. So you know that more likely than not, we're going to go into a recession. There's some pretty clear-cut recession trades. The easiest are the yield curve gets really steep. Term premium goes into the back ends of, uh, of debt markets, right, into 30-year, into 10-year, and 7-year paper. Uh, the stock market typically, right before re- recession, declines about 12%. That's probably going to happen at some point from some level. Uh, and you look at the big shorts in gold, more likely than not, in a recession. The market's typically really long assets like Bitcoin and gold. So there's probably a $40 billion worth of buying that has to come in to gold at some point between now and if that recession actually occurs. Um, So, yeah, I I like Bitcoin and I like gold right here.
0: So that dude is... uh... He's a multi-billionaire, no? I think his net worth is somewhere near eight billion or something like that. Also, a, a pretty revered and respected fund manager.
2: Yeah, his his f- he created one of the first, if not the first, hedge fund, and his net the net asset value of his fund is eight
0: billion, not his net worth. Uh, right to that. Thanks for the clarification. All right, we got about thirty-ish minutes. I want to welcome Steve up. Steve Simple from Rally. Good morning, man. Hey, good morning. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Cool. All right, and so we got about uh, thirty minutes before we're diving in with Steve here in hour two. But Steve, welcome. You're welcome to just jump in on the conversation. Uh, whenever a couple of quick things while we got a little bit of a pause here. So for those of you who are at Pacific Bitcoin, uh, we did a big recap of that on Monday. Uh, A bunch of people shared their stories and what their experiences were there. It was pretty awesome. I'm still pretty pumped up from it. I think, um, in a market situation like this where, you know, we hit, hit the bottom and uh, we're kind of crawling sideways for a really long time. It's weird because I watch, you know, Bitcoiners, at least on Twitter, I'm not talking about outside of Twitter, but at least on Twitter, just start getting after each other. And, you know, it's almost like they have nothing better to do or talk about or think about. And it's, it's a pretty sad thing. However, you know, you, you watch what happens at, for those who are at PB, man, it was a huge recharging event. Like, it just filled my tanks right up. And uh, so these things are really good to go to. You can, um, if you want to, you can do, what is it called? Early bird or something like that, Jacob? I think the tickets are refundable through the end of February. If you go by now, and it's at the, the steepest discount possible. So if you missed it and you had FOMO and you want to go to the next one, we're doing it again next year. Same place, roughly the same time.
2: We're doing it live, and no additional discounts because this is as cheap as the tickets will get,
0: yeah, that's what I said, right Its uh these early bird tickets are as they you will not find a a cheaper discount moving forward.
2: Promo code Terrence Bloomberg. No, no, no. There's no promo code. No one has promo codes. Just Gucci, G U C C I. No promo codes. No one has
0: promo codes for this. Promo
6: code New York racquetballer Terrence Bloomberg at (laughs) Terrence.com.
0: Promo code Gucci, G U C C I, all caps.
6: Promo code Terrence.
0: With two R's, Taranth. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's like, what did I step into here? The other Terrence is coming up on stage with one R.
6: I couldn't hear Steve before, but you said uh, Alex, Steve's from uh, Rally.
0: Yeah, he is the chief toxicologist at the rally Bitcoin meetup and kind of the leadership torch was passed to him by Jameson Lop, actually. So he is an extremely trusted dude.
6: Steve, I was going to just check in on what the latest is in North Carolina. I know there was a lot of stuff swirling. I don't know if you have any uh, insight on that.
8: Uh, Hey, can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear you fine.
8: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't watch the news. Um, not really sure what's going on in North Carolina. I was but, uh, I was
6: referring to like the blockchain initiatives there and some of the stuff they were trying to work through the government. Um. Those those items.
8: Yeah, we have a couple of uh, people in our meetup who are interested in government stuff. Um, I try to help them out when I can. Um, but, uh, I honestly, I don't pay much attention to it.
0: All right, then I guess we can all go home. I'm kidding. Shout out to Shane Hazel in the audience, throwing you an invite. By the way, uh, we are recording a new episode of Bitcoin Veterans tonight. There should be a link in the nest. We'll be addressing the situation in Israel, and also doing our own recap of Pacific Bitcoin, like what we what we saw, etc. Our experiences there. Did you guys see, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Elon tweeted this out the other day. There's a big controversy still about what this man's intentions are. So not to sidetrack the topic, but some people uh, think that he's basically a gigantic psyop. Like, there are people who don't trust the dude. And think that at some point it's going to go the opposite of direction of of uh free speech i don't know we'll see he every now and then he says something that makes me wonder though i don't know what the man's intentions are but this is this i thought was interesting he he tweeted out the real fight is not between the right and the left but rather between humanists and extinctionists and my personal opinion is that's proof that he acknowledges there are, li- in fact, lizards.
9: Or at the very least, he's speaking out against the climate catastrophists and shit like that.
0: Yeah, same. Same, same.
9: Okay, fair enough. I didn't know you were lumping them all <laughs> into the lizards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my my definition of lizard is a broad category, Mike. Many people can fit into it. I'm, I'm you know. I mostly don't discriminate there. Terrence with one R. Good morning.
5: Good morning, guys. How you all doing? Fantastic. Um, I'm a little late to this, but I just was thinking when um, you guys brought up Joe Rogan that you know one thing that we might be underestimating is just the impact that comedians can have in influencing and educating it's like you know we're often looking for a signal from economists and you know these billionaires like Paul Tudor Jones who we just heard and you know or BlackRock and but we forget just how many people are listening to some of the top sort of audio entertainment people like a Joe Rogan who I agree is 100% a Bitcoiner but You know, there's people like Adam Carolla, who I think he might even be number two or number three behind Joe Rogan, who's a total Bitcoiner. And there's people like Jim Norton, who I think he has the number two um, XM Sirius show. He's a total Bitcoiner. And I don't know if those guys have fully doxed themselves, but um, I just happen to know both those guys personally and have done projects with them. And they talk about Bitcoin. They love Bitcoin, and it's possible that um I mean, and yeah, and there's comic Dave Smith, who we've also heard, um who I believe is a total bitcoiner. But when you think about it, these comedians are kind of like modern day philosophers. I mean, they you know, they they're skeptical by nature and they observe more than normies. They really pay attention to the system, to the government. Most of them have been. Struggling and pretty poor. I mean, it's very hard to break into comedy and Hollywood in general, and which sort of leads them down the path of of you know red pilling and you know hopefully more orange pilling. But I just thought I'd mention that because you know we're, it's I don't think we often think about um, how much comedians are are probably going to be turning to Bitcoin just because they do the work. These guys work really hard. Um, and when you think about it, and especially with what's happening right now with our economy and politics and the world order and whatnot, it's it's hard to not um, find Bitcoin. Well, and
9: on top of that, like Joe Rogan, for example, slow rolling his kind of like talking about Bitcoin in the affirmative is actually a benefit to the space. Um, just like with how I talked about. It's a negative for the majority of the community to be shoving it down everybody's throats is at every seeming possibility. Uh, guys like Joe Rogan just kind of slow rolling exposure to his viewership is just like it's giving people multiple touch points just from him as a source, and then like just that—that's a more natural and organic way to kind of like stimulate uh, interest or intrigue into the entire kind of asset class or industry or community or whatever you want to talk about.
12: Am I out of the matrix yet?
0: Yeah, you sound great.
12: All right, cool. Yeah, another benefit in in that regard is taking his time. He'll actually understand it versus a lot of public figures. They'll say Bitcoin at first, and then they'll fall into the shit coins, and then they try to lump them together, and they never really understood Bitcoin, so it's almost negative press.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. It does happen a lot. BV Bannon, good morning. You have some thoughts, comments, questions?
12: Hey, good morning, guys. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, I just had a, a couple questions. Hey, can you can you guys hear me? Am I coming through? Yep. You're uh, good. good morning, guys. Yeah, so I just had a quick question about the macro picture here, uh, the geopolitical one as well. Um, you know, I know the, the price of oil is, is going down today, but um, if the price of oil was to run away with some, again, geopolitical headwinds, BRICS, uh, wanting to, um, I don't know, get back at, at, at those countries uh, in the West that um, have kind of domineered the dollar hegemony and the global political economy for so long, if we see the the price of oil just skyrocket under whatever circumstances, you know, Saudi Arabia and Israel, no friends together, um, and how that relationship could affect the global trade, is it pretty much a guarantee that interest rates would have to keep going even higher for even longer? Again, if you see one of the biggest capital goods in our economy just inflate and inflate and inflate, make literally everything else more expensive, is the Fed going to be forced if that does happen just to keep raising and raising and raising for even longer than they've been letting on
3: well i
9: think the ppi numbers came in what this morning and they're already higher than expected and they're now they're now expecting cpi to come in higher tomorrow and and that's before like all the oil going up getting priced in and i would i would think that maybe like even if it goes even if interest rates go up marginally higher I think it's going to be higher for longer for sure
12: gotcha gotcha yeah I mean what how how else are you going to be able to you know take demand out of the economy and and force people to, to pull their money out and save and save to hopefully deflate prices but things never seem to go the way central bankers want uh, and central planners want so
9: yeah even in that hypothetical scenario i don't think things go too well it'll be good for the off-grid miners i can tell you that because as oil price goes up it incentivizes greater oil production and greater oil production means greater associated natural gas production which means more fuel for bitcoin miners to mine bitcoin and more incentive for the oil and gas producers to my, to consume that flare gas if they can't pipe it out or liquefy it so it's a good thing for miners in my opinion
12: The Obi Wan Kenobi effect. If you strike me down, I shall come back stronger.
0: I think uh, there's going to be quite a bit of geopolitical rearranging going on with this after this situation with Israel. So we'll be talking about that tonight a little bit on uh, Bitcoin veterans. And I'm sure. There's going to be a lot of uh, analysis coming out on how this affects everything over the next couple of weeks. So for Jim, good morning.
3: Hey, good morning, guys. Always an interesting conversation. I don't need to uh, backtrack here, but I, I came up just to comment on the guys like Joe Rogan and other um, popular people out there slowly recognizing Bitcoin. Um, I, I feel like you take a guy like Michael Saylor, who's got a lot of skin in the game in the fiat game uh, and the Bitcoin game. And he's very definitive about his position on Bitcoin because he's done the homework. And maybe these guys are still working through it and don't know what you know, what we know or, or don't see what we see. And my, my gut is that they're not all the way there because they don't use the solution of Bitcoin in more of their discussions. Uh, in my opinion, so much of what's wrong with this world is a result of the broken money, including the war on the other side of the world right now, the two wars. And many of these commentators talk about solutions and problems and rarely discuss fixing the money. And I think when you're fully orange-pilled in Bitcoin, that's going to always pop into your head. So a guy like Joe Rogan may, may be taking his time with his audience if he is actually being calculating in this way. But my sense is maybe not. And then you'd say, take a guy like Paul Tudor Jones, who seems to get it, but He's in a position where he's got he's to keep his entire base happy. He can't alienate anybody. So I think some of these people walk a tight line not wanting to look too much in one direction. And that's unfortunate, especially if the reality is what many of us believe, that Bitcoin fixes so many things. It's unfortunate that they don't make a stronger commitment or that they haven't fully gotten there yet. I, I suspect that when some of these people do... Take a guy like Tom Woods, a libertarian guy, he talks about it a lot on his podcast, but it doesn't come out as strongly as I would or some of the people here would necessarily. So I think we'll see that they're fully are when they when they use the you know the solution of Bitcoin in regular regularly in their conversations with people uh, once they see the connection, I believe as many of us see it. So uh, I'm going to jump down. I just wanted to say that, throw that into the mix for conversation if it's helpful and You know, we all got our opinions, but uh, we're on our way, folks. People are getting it. Bitcoin is on the tips of a lot of people's tongues more than it ever was. And the education's getting out there. Thanks to, you know, the swan team, Pacific Bitcoin, all the people that make podcasts this every day. People are learning. It's happening. We're at at the beginning. We're still early, folks. So let's uh, let's not let up. We got to keep these people informed and get them over that hump so that they see what we see. Thank you very much.
5: I think once the centralized finance scams and the SBF and a lot of the quote-unquote crypto gets flushed out, it's going to be a lot easier. And fortunately, I'm seeing a huge turn in the whole cancel culture in Hollywood that a lot of comics have been very fearful of for obvious reasons, um, because a lot of them have been canceled. And we were in this period as you all know, where comics just couldn't be funny. And, it, you know, they they couldn't observe anything without being canceled. So, I, you know, just like you just said, Surfer Jim, I, I I think that's where we're going. And I do believe comics are going to start coming out and and exposing just the clown world that we're in. And it's going to help normal people see that because a lot of them just don't relate to or even listen to Wall Street or CNBC or Jim Cramer. They, a lot of those people don't pay attention. Um, so I'm very bullish on what comics can can bring to everyone. And by the way, speaking of, I feel like Tomer is a comic. No one would ever describe him as a comic, but think about it. Like, he is so observational. He He's so insightful. And the juxtaposition that he puts from our clown world to the Bitcoin world, I don't know. I I find it humorous. I don't think he's he's silly, but I think he's humorous. Um, yeah.
0: Anybody can jump in here. I'm, uh. I'm actually multitasking right now. So talk about whatever you want.
13: I just want to say as a ETX Oracle contributor that it's obviously the future.
0: Why? Because
13: now you don't have to rely on FIOS. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just wondering who that was.
8: Yes, JC, um, big time contributor to UTX Oracle. I really um, thank you for your service. Yeah. It's amazing what you did there. Thank you.
13: I changed a typo, but now I'm on the GitHub. So it's super legit.
0: (laughs) You could add shadowy super coder to your profile title. I'm actually the
13: only other contributor. So you can kind of say like I did half of the work with my typo, right, Steve?
8: You know, I think it's more about kind of the moral support and just um, the overall energy that you bring to the project every day. Just it keeps the entire team going, you know. I mean, when you have 150 developers working under you, sometimes you need like a pizza party or something, and you just, you just deliver everything to our army of coders working on UTX Oracle. That's amazing. Thank you.
3: He delivers pizza in style.
13: Thank you Shelley he
8: He does sometimes arrive in costume um, with the pizza, and people wonder if he's gonna like take off the costume, which is a little bit weird, but he just rolls with it. And it's fine.
0: You're back in the matrix, Shelly. Any
3: people more
12: bullish than JC. He drives an orange car.
13: Aw. I feel like I just got complimented, but you couldn't hear because of the Matrix. That sucks. Does he drink
4: tequila old fashions, though? That's the question, because that's an orange drink.
13: You know, I never thought of that, but that's a good idea. And it's delicious. But I mean, we have we have Steve here, so I would want I do want to hear more about ETX Oracle.
8: Uh, I think they have me on a schedule to uh, start
0: talking about it soon. Right? What time is it? Eleven. You can just jump in there, man. Like, all right. Yeah, we had you had you scheduled for a specific time, but we're not like driving the show today with specific topics. Like, I'm actually. I apologize to everybody for that. I am like in in perpetual multitasking mode, just trying to catch up from being away from the office for a week at Pacific Bitcoin. so apologies like literally all week aside from Monday. Um, I have been working during the show. cats out of the bag. Sorry, guys, just talk about your stuff. <laughs>
8: Okay, um, so I'll just give like a brief overview. UTX Oracle is like a program that I wrote and you run this program on your computer, on a computer. Uh, you run it on the same computer that you're running your Bitcoin node on and the program just asks your node to give it blocks with um, all the transactions in them. And with the, all that block data, the program just analyzes the transaction patterns. And one thing about transactions in Bitcoin is that most transactions, I think I can say fairly, happen at round amounts of US dollars. So people send each other $5, $10, $20, $100, $1,000. There's about like 17 different identifiable round amounts of Bitcoin that people transact at. And it's not like a little bit. If you look at where the transactions occurred on one day, you'll see like a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there. And then you'll just see like, okay, why did 20,000 people transact at exactly point zero, whatever, point zero, one, five, six, whatever, whatever a hundred dollars is. And it'd just be this giant spike. it will be like 20,000 transactions right at that exact amount. And it won't be a round amount of Bitcoin. It'll be a round amount of U.S. dollars, so it's very easy when you just kind of construct this distribution or like a bell curve of you know how many people transacted at what amount of Bitcoin. This bell curve is not smooth. Uh, this bell curve um, has very little amounts pretty much everywhere, and then it has giant spikes at round amounts of Bitcoin and round amounts of dollars. So the program I write, it just looks at all the, that data. It looks at all the transaction data. It makes this distribution. It looks at that distribution. Um, then it removes the round amounts of Bitcoin because it's pretty easy to just say like 0.01 Bitcoin. Okay, just take all those out of the distribution um, and see what's left. And what's left is going to be 99% round amounts of U.S. dollars. And so you just see... You know, because $100 worth of Bitcoin is a different amount of Bitcoin every day. Um, So if the Bitcoin price goes up, then $100 worth of Bitcoin is less Bitcoin. And so if that happened, then the next day you would see that these 20,000 transactions, instead of occurring at 0.0157, now they occurred at 0.0143 Bitcoin. And so you can just do the inverse calculation and just say, okay, well, if a hundred dollars was 0.0143, then divide that. And then you get a, uh, a Bitcoin price from that. And this is something that maybe in words sounds like, um, you wonder how strong the signal is, but if you just go to utxo.live and look at the heat maps, you'll see that, um, it's strikingly obvious Uh, where these round amounts of Bitcoin go every day, whether they go up and down. And uh, yeah, so I just wrote a little Python script, utxo.live slash Oracle. Um, And you can just, if you know Python, you just download the script and just run the command line. There's no no, um, third party install packages. Uh, There's no APIs. There's no like, you know, it doesn't ask you for your password to Bitcoin wallet or anything. It's, I wrote it as very simple as I could um, because I'm Steve Simple, I guess. And uh, a number of people have kind of branched it off. I mean, nothing is great as what JC has done for the code. Don't get me wrong. Um, JC just totally mastered uh, the code with his merges. But um, some people wrote... Uh, something that can make it work with Umbral. Somebody wrote something that uh, installed a bunch of packages and makes it run like twice as fast or something like that. But I hate installing packages, so I'm not going to merge that. Um, And, yeah, um, my meetup wants me to tell you guys that uh, UTX Oracle price is the only price, and every price you see on an exchange is fake.
0: So <laughs> all right use, so like use that's use what I was going to ask spot. yeah
8: that's what I was going to ask spot. you
0: about that so in other words these guys believe that it is the most accurate price like why would it be more accurate than maybe a price off of coinbase or uh bitbo or something like that
8: well it's um It's more accurate in the sense that it's only dealing with uh, transactions that were settled. So let's say you gave your friend $100 for some Bitcoin, but your friend didn't actually send you that Bitcoin until six months from now. Um, Is that a spot price? I mean, was that a transaction? Uh, Was that, I mean, it's not really, did you really pay for Bitcoin? I mean, was that a, a trade? And it's not
0: a trade. It's like basically the price of the lowest hanging fruit, which is, is incredibly deceiving. Because if you drop a large order on a retail order book, you're going to destroy that order book and you're going to, you're going to create a massive spread. And a lot of people don't realize this. I've talked to so many people who like drop an order. I'm talking big orders not like you can probably drop up to a quarter million dollars and not have that big of an impact but if you're doing a half million million plus i mean you're gonna blow the shit out of that order book and get a huge spread the price is not the price
8: yeah well there's that yeah i think um and so someone did do that you know dump do some crazy shit in the order book uh do they even withdraw their coins? Does, does their trade even go through? Like it's kind of like you can play these games in the order book, and but if no on-chain transaction occurs for that Bitcoin, like did the price move? I mean, a, re- mm-hmm. a real interesting, a real interesting thing is would be. Um, well, let me go ahead and explain the benefits of an exchange. So, the benefits of the exchange is you have all of these you have all this liquidity, right? I mean, it's the it's the one place everyone goes to trade, and you have a sense of price discovery there because you have, like, a ton of people. Um, but people don't withdraw their Bitcoin after they trade, do they? Uh, Coinbase doesn't even let you withdraw for a week. I, I don't think most exchanges do. I think maybe Strike does. Um, but let's say that, like, uh, you know, there were absolutely no... Um, transactions on chain one day let's say all the blocks are filled up with a bunch of like wizard jpeg ordinal stuff and there was not anybody that traded for bitcoin for dollars one day was there a bitcoin price that day i think that's a good question mm. so the oracle would say that there was no bitcoin price because no one traded dollar for bitcoin that day some people might have
0: meaning spying meaning it never actually moved on chain to a different address
8: right exactly i mean i know it's a little philosophical but i mean the i think it's a valid point because what is a trade i mean doesn't trade mean i get something you get something i mean if you just give somebody money for an iou okay well that's the spot price of an iou but that's not the spot spot price of like a bitcoin trade a bitcoin trade means that bitcoin transferred ownership and Bitcoin only transfers ownership if there's an on-chain transaction. So
0: yeah, you um, know what? I agree with that philosophically, but from a practical perspective, I think the vast majority of humans don't think about it that way, and yeah, probably won't uh, into the future. Like they're gonna they're gonna think about things I, it, like you know the reason these exchanges operate the way they do, and the reason that stock markets operate the way they do, and the reason why OTC and um whatever markets operate the way they do is because large financial institutions have figured out that they can get away with it. And people are too stupid to know the difference in many cases, or they don't care.
13: I just want to say real quick, you know, if the people decide that their prices, their their influence, their price based on what it is on an exchange, well, then you're going to ultimately see that on UTX Oracle, the real price, of course, because that's going to reflect what people actually do. Yeah, eventually,
0: right? If assuming in this case, assuming it moves from... Assuming it moves one, from one address to another, which is what me and Steve were just talking about there.
13: I mean, I mean, there's not going to be no Bitcoin transactions. There's Bitcoin transactions all the time, and it moves at the price of Bitcoin.
14: Or does it? I mean, I charge people in like you know round numbers of sats, so. <laughs> when I'm charging people. I mean, obviously, it's you know, it's like a ballpark of what the relative value is. But, you know, I would prefer to denominate in terms of sats rather than dollars. Not everyone's there yet, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is like the mental sort of shift, right? That the, there's the whole concept of, of, you know, in money, you have store of value, you have medium of exchange, you have unit of account. The unit of account part, according to VJ boy potty occurs after medium of exchange. So people don't think of things generally priced in a certain unit until after it's commonly used as a medium of exchange. Cause then their brain is just doing the conversions as in that unit all the time. So we got a little ways to go there. Probably.
14: From a, from a civilization standpoint, individually, everyone kind of gets there on their own accord Right. One by one.
8: Yeah, um, I, if I can jump in here. The, uh, one interesting thing about that is if you look at um, what people transact in, it used to be round amounts of Bitcoin. It used to be the round amounts of Bitcoin were um, the only thing. And then in like 2013, you started to see people transacting in rounds amounts of dollars. Uh, but it was much less than round amounts of Bitcoin. Um, but then, in, in the last five years or so, that's completely changed, and the round amounts of Bitcoin just gets weaker and weaker. Round amounts of dollars get stronger and stronger. Um, hopefully, that will change, like eventually. Uh, but I mean, maybe we're at peak. Maybe maybe we're at peak round amounts of U.S. dollars right now. Who knows? But I don't. I don't see any signs of round amounts of dollars. Um, getting less popular anytime soon. I mean, I hope it does. Obviously, you know what
14: you know what changed in 2013. I'm, I'm I'm making a guess here, but I bet it was the propensity to DCA at that point. And I think that a lot of the times you're seeing these kind of you know round amounts of like hundred dollar increments, most likely because that's what a lot of people set their like weekly DCA to or something, right? And then they yeah. do auto withdrawal.
13: What we're really yeah. seeing is the real price of hundred dollars, you know, because until Bitcoin tells you, minus the universe, minus, like, minus, no.
14: the
8: fees. <laughs> minus the fees, minus the fees, so you have well, to consider that too, maybe. Right. Exactly. So that's another good point. Um, you know, you does your the price you bought Bitcoin at does that include the uh, the fee for withdrawing from Coinbase or the, like the like what about an ATM fee is that I mean, I've I've slowly started to think like I I look at the UTX Oracle price and I noticed that it's like a little bit um, higher on average than something you see on Coinbase. And I think that's because, like you said, it's DCA. It's also ATM fees and there's also just wallets. have. It used to be when you ran your old school wallet or like your samurai wallet or something like that, you couldn't even see the U.S. dollar price. And then they were like, oh, okay, I guess we'll add a U.S. dollar price if you want it. And now it's kind of like default with you denominate your transaction in dollars on a lot of wallets. So all that's contributed to uh, round amounts of dollars. Um, but I've started to think more about, well, I mean, you can't say that the price is the price without the fees. I mean, does that really make sense? I mean it, shouldn't you consider the price that you bought bitcoin at the fee included? I mean isn't that part of the price?
0: So I, I No, not necessarily. I mean Swan if, if is, you buy if no you fees. buy if you buy bitcoin on Swan, we send it to you and we pay the fee. So it depends, I guess.
14: Oh, um, I think well, yeah, I think it okay. means the exchange
0: fees rather than yeah. the on-chain fees.
14: Yeah. Yeah. Well maybe the sw- spread, the I, I spread and the exchange fees.
0: Oh, well, spreads are, a lot of people don't understand spreads and how they're arrived at. And it's like, spreads are a tricky thing, man. They're highly affected by liquidity and uh, really events in the marketplace. I don't know if you guys noticed, but when there's, when there's really weird events going on in the Bitcoin ecosystem, spreads blow out. That's representing risk. People are either pulling liquidity Or they're not sure what the hell is going on. People get nervous, you know, even in the OTC markets the spreads blow out when there's, when there's a lot of perceived risk. Why? Because, well, FTX blew up. You have all these other counterparties blowing up. And what's happening is counterparties are looking at each other across the OTC desk and they're thinking, are you next? Am I going to give you a hundred Bitcoin and find out you're insolvent in the next 24 hours. And because it takes two days for those U S dollars to clear, there's a timing mismatch between Bitcoin moving and dollars moving. So am I going to be screwed for a hundred Bitcoin worth of dollars? If you're gone in 24 hours, there's a lot of factors.
8: Yeah, exactly. That's why I think so. I think, the ATM is kind of like the ideal spot price, including the fee, because that's the price of Bitcoin now. Like, what if I want Bitcoin in the next 30 minutes? Isn't that what spot price should be? Like, I can't get Bitcoin in the next 30 minutes from an exchange. Yeah, you um, can. Well, yeah, some exchanges, I guess. I get, but so, on average, cash I mean, on a- cash app, baby, cash app, it lets you download immediately. Yep. You can buy
14: it and immediately, withdraw it immediately nice. on Lightning or on chain. Nice. That's awesome. That's how it should be. Yeah. So no, are I know. Any
0: limits? Are there any limits to that?
14: Yeah. $2,000 limit per week or not? $2,000 per, might be per week. Yeah. I think it's per week. I don't know. Or per day. I forget. I've never hit
8: it. <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> yeah. And what are the fees on. Um... Cash app? The fee
14: if you smash buy the fees are like between two and three percent depending on the amount you buy. So if you buy like a dollar worth, the other thing I like about Cash App is they you buy the amount you want to buy and then they take the fee out of that amount. So if you buy a dollar worth, you actually get ninety seven cents ninety seven cents of Bitcoin and a three percent or three cent fee. And that's like the small that's the largest percent fee you'll pay is three percent. And then if you buy more, it's like a tiered system where the more you buy, the lower the percentage of the fee. And I think it goes down to like one and a half or 2% if you're buying like, you know, $100,000 worth of Bitcoin or something.
8: Gotcha. Yeah. So the UTX Oracle, if someone did that, if they bought $100 worth of Bitcoin on Cash App and then they withdrew it immediately and they only got $97 of Bitcoin, um, UTX Oracle would factor in that 3% fee and say like, no, this... This person, you know, the the price was not the price that he paid. It was the the price plus the fee. And it'll do that same thing with, like, all the ATM transactions that happened that day. uh, Because I think that's a better representation of what spot means. Um, But mostly I'm just going hard because uh, the guys at the meetup told me to be as toxic as possible. And I'm the chief toxicity officer of the meetup. So, yeah. Yeah. So Wait,
14: the, the I think the math is kind of unintuitive here, right? Because on chain, let's say, okay, so how many sats would you get for hundred bucks? You'd get uh, three hundred and like three three hundred seventy thousand sats for hundred bucks, right? If you were getting just straight up hundred bucks, but if you're only you know getting ninety seven dollars worth, and you'd get slightly less sats. So on chain, you know that footprint would be a smaller Satoshi value. And so UTX Oracle is going to then, wouldn't it underestimate I mean you got backwards. It, Do I have yeah, it backwards? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It is, it's
8: unintuitive, It right? is weird. <laughs> it, it is, is unintuitive. Yeah, so it would yeah. overestimate the price. It is unintuitive, yeah. It, it, I, I, I get mixed up with this all the time. Actually, on the heat maps, when the US dollar price line goes down, that means the price of Bitcoin went up. So yeah, there's kind of a... You have to invert right, it. Right, right, right,
14: right. Okay, cool.
8: Well, the other thing about Cash App, I'm just gonna plug it here
14: because I love plugging Cash App on Cafe Bitcoin, is uh, we <laughs> do direct deposit, no fee, no no uh, spread. So that's an interesting thing, and I'm looking forward to my direct deposit coming in later tonight. So I will confirm it again if it you know if it's the case again, but that i mean when it happens it's kind of magical cuz you're like wait a second no fee and then like you go check the the price over on other exchanges and you're like oh shit it's like it's right there right where all the exchanges are are quoting the price so it's kind of a you know it's an interesting experience not paying any fees and just getting your entire paycheck converted into bitcoin and and then and, then
10: and yeah, then withdrawing true. the
14: whole thing you know on chain <laughs> and because your paycheck doesn't come in at like you know, like a a straight up, you know, even dollar value, then you're, you're just getting whatever the Bitcoin is that you would be getting on a week or biweekly basis.
6: And you can customize your debit card. So if you go to a place and ask if they accept Bitcoin and they say no, you can write something on there like you love Bitcoin and they have to swipe that and then read it and then do that.
1: Hey, Wicked. So I, I was going back into Cash App Because I think, so the first time when it worked perfectly, it's because I was at work and didn't have reception, like wasn't paying attention to it. Um, The second time it happened, uh, I was, I think it was on a weekend or something, direct deposit hit. And then I'm like, hey, why the hell isn't this working? So I I bought the Bitcoin. Um, But then I went back and realized the timestamps, it took, it took several hours for the direct deposit to be auto-converted. And so I, I think just patience is sort of the key. I, I think it just takes a couple hours to recognize.
14: Gotcha. Yeah, well, my, my last paycheck, so two weeks ago, and I'm on biweekly paychecks, by the way, now, so I'm kind of sad about that. But, but yeah, two weeks ago, it came in, and it didn't convert right away, and I got really <laughs> anxious just having fiat, so I smash bought instead and ate the fee. And luckily, I did because that was right before it pumped, and I just felt good about you know not having fiat during a Bitcoin pump.
0: I'm really curious. Does anybody happen to know what the limits are? Is it two k a day or two k a week? This is important.
14: All right, I'll, I'll open up the app right now. I'll, I'll look. One sec. I think it's like ten thousand dollars a day. Well, not okay. So there's there's maybe it depends
0: on who you are. Like if you're a major in the army, maybe they give you 10k a day limit. I
14: think I think there's a purchase limit and a transfer limit and a spending limit on uh on Lightning. Let me see here, though. I'm opening it up right now.
0: Maybe apples get 2k a day and majors get 10k a day. Maybe. Should
14: be a major then. Just kidding. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need 10k a day. Alright, where the fuck are the limits? I swear to god oh, I was here oh, before. Oh. Oh.
0: Bad um, guy scooter.
11: Are we all forgetting that Cash App regularly freezes people's accounts and steals their money? And then it's like an incredibly regularly used tool for money laundering and fraud and people who withdraw large sums of money through Cash App on a regular basis often have their bank accounts flagged as well for money laundering and anti-terrorism. Your on and off ramp is important, and if a lot of sketchy people use your off ramp, well, it's probably likely that the banks will think you're sketchy too. Something to consider.
14: Yeah, that's why I direct deposit. I don't use another bank. <laughs> it's like I'm, just, I'm just straight through Cash App, man. Like, my bank's not going to do shit because they never see my money anymore.
11: Yeah, but Cash App blocks people's accounts all the time too.
14: Yeah, if they're sketchy. I'm just getting a direct deposit, 100% convert to Bitcoin. Oh, no, then po- TOS. And then, and the then TOS has it. stuff
11: about wokeness in it now, too. So just what? keep that in mind.
0: Really? Sorry, I hit, it. I hit mute everybody for one second there.
14: Go woke, go broke. Just kidding. It's probably the other way around, right?
0: It, well, here's the problem nowadays is that, like, A lot, some people are moving towards Bitcoin only like wicked and they're like, screw the banks. I don't want to have to deal with this nonsense, which I completely understand. I mean, there are people that have been completely frozen out of the financial system. There's like over 800 people in Canada that are basically, they're still basically banned from banking. If you say the wrong thing now in certain countries, you're a criminal. I mean, it's, it's very concerning. The direction this is all going. So, people, I think in general, are just trying to figure out how the hell do I navigate all this stuff. I have a client, I'm not going to dox who he is, but recent really weird experience. Like this client had moved a lot of money, big seven figures in US dollars on a swan, ended up moving some of it off, like a seven figure amount the bank that he moved it to who he's been a member of and a customer of for decades, froze all of his bank accounts and he's got bounced checks going. He's got all kinds of gigantic nightmares has been going on for a week and a half where the bank froze all of his stuff because of a large incoming transfer. And, uh, the stuff that's going on with banking nowadays is pretty insane, man. I had another guy who's trying to wire large amounts of money to buy Bitcoin. They're capping his wires now to daily amounts. He can only wire so much a day. So this is not like, you know, this is not regulatory stuff. This is just behavior, anecdotal behavior from banks that I'm exposed to because of doing business daily and just weird shit that's happening.
4: Did did I tell you that Chase Bank does not allow you to do cash deposits if you don't have an account with them?
0: Some banks will not accept cash deposits at all nowadays.
4: Craziest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. The bank doesn't take cash.
11: And on Cash App, you don't have FDIC insurance
14: unless you sign up for their debit card. So keep that in mind, too. You can't do direct deposit unless you you have the the debit card because you need the bank account, which comes with a debit card like it gives you an account and routing number once you get that well we have
11: it and what i'm saying is your your cash balances people are assuming they're insured they're not right
4: yeah hey good good the bad guy bad guy would you rather bank with the bank of canada or with cash app i'm just i'm just curious um so in fact um i would much rather bank with the bank of
11: canada um we were regularly moving six and seven figures in and out of the blockchain space um And we're really particular about the banks and the on and off ramps that we use. So we avoid AML and AT, red flags and all those lockups. Um, Cash app, yeah, there's a lot of illicit activity that goes on with cash app. So we prefer to use exchanges um, that are more discerning and we prefer to use banks that have relationships with those exchanges. Uh, Bank of Canada as well, the banks of Canada, I think are rated the number one Safest banks in the world, the least likely to collapse. You now take that for whatever it is, but uh, that's that's a real statistic. Globally speaking, they're thought of as the safest banks. I certainly don't feel that way, but
0: it, depending upon whether you're a trucker at a rally or not,
11: right, right. Uh, a seventeen hundred accounts, I think was the last number I read. Frozen.
0: Oh, um, uh, the maybe that's what was frozen at the time, but many of them were probably reinstated. I'm saying there's still more than 800 people that are permanently so far permanently locked out of their bank accounts and can't open bank accounts.
11: Yeah. The government's a headache. They're auditing me right now for three years of our business and it's not going the way they suspected. And in the past, they've locked up my bank account. We submitted January, February, March, and they filed January and March, and they tried to withdraw 70000 dollars from my bank account for February. But they had it, and they ended up owing me a $70 check because they made a mistake. So uh, that, that's my government hard at work, freezing my bank accounts uh, unnecessarily.
8: Uh, hey, I just wanted to jump in here and uh, say, like, yeah, I think Cash App is great. It's awesome. I use it all the time. Um, I think eventually these kind of fees and stuff will go down because um, exchanges are software. Uh, if you kind of follow Jeff Booth and, you know, how much does the calculator app on your phone cost, it's free. I mean, anything anything that's software is eventually going to trend towards no fees. And so eventually I think uh, getting... Bitcoin on some online exchange or cash app or something like that will be very close to like what the actual spot price is. You know, I I traded cash for Bitcoin uh, with two people uh, at my meetup last night. Uh, That's the ideal way to trade Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's a little bit harder, but it's a lot more private and you get rid rid of a lot of this bullshit. I mean, exchanges are third parties. Cash app is a third party. Banks are a third party the point of Bitcoin is to get rid of third parties. Um, So be as peer to peer as possible. That's, that's the whole point of this thing is to be as peer to peer as possible and just ignore the banks. Hey Steve, how does
4: that affect the the price model that you have? the, The peer to peer exchanges.
8: So if they're exchanging in a round amount of, of dollars, it'll be the same. So like if, if someone gives you a hundred dollar bills for cash and you give them a hundred dollars in Bitcoin on chain, then that shows up and that's just another data point in the model. So So I don't I don't use exchange data at all. If all the ex- exchanges disappeared tomorrow, the UTX Oracle would still be there. And it would probably I mean, so I think the exchanges are super important for Price discovery, because you have these order books, you have a lot of uh, um, people trying to buy and sell, and th- that does ultimately set the price. And then people that use their wallets, like if you're ch- trading at your local meetup using Moon Wallet or, or some kind of wallet, that wallet is probably making an API call, too, in exchange to get a price. And then so that is what the price that ultimately shows up in UTX Oracle. So it is it, all, it is all kind of related. I don't think exchanges are going to go away. But let's say Coinbase was down or, or somebody was down. If people figured out a way to trade at a price in person or just ATMs or something, all of that would show up on chain. So the Oracle would still find it.
0: So, is there, this is just a thought, a suggestion for you to consider. Is there a way to take the latest price that UTX? Oracle thinks the price is and post that as a number on the front page. The reason why I say that, um, is is that it is my opinion that not many people are going to come to this thing. If what you're trying to do is get more people to look at it, not many people are going to come to it. They'll look at it once. They'll never come back to it. Like they'll look at this thing and the, they'll be like, that is incredibly fascinating wow mind blown and then they'll never come back to the page if you want to have a a thing that people come back to to reference the price you got to have a, a a a real time as real time as possible number in us dollars right there front and center um because i will tell you like people are constantly I, checking uh, like
8: can i just ask like what type of person are you talking about
0: well, every single client, it's one. Okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, I get Fuck it. Your I mean, this is a no. What I'm just, I'm just trying to say, like moving forward, like if your objective is to to cater to a, a really small subset of Bitcoiners, I get that too, and that's okay. I'm not telling you what to do. Uh, I just it, I was making a suggestion if your objective is to get it in front of more people, then they're going to look for the price because when yeah, people are, you know, that's just human nature, man.
8: Is yeah, the price you know, delayed. delayed? I was just Do messing you... around with you. Is the, uh, is the well, price the delayed?
3: Price,
8: it's an average. Um, it needs like a lot of blocks to get a good average. So it's right now it's just averaging over the past day, past 24 hours. Um,
0: I could. So It's a, It's, a re, it's not a, it's not a real time thing. It's basically a, a, da- a daily average is what, is what's being plotted here yeah yeah
8: um and i get your point i was just kind of messing around with you a little bit like I, I don't actually care i i just did this because i thought it was cool i don't really have goals uh with it objectives with it um yeah i'm not kind of going for anything here i just thought it was awesome got it so I just, yeah, yeah. So i just did it okay but yeah I'm tracking. I, I get your point i even I, you know Daniel
0: nerds nerds speak. rejoice basically let's go <laughs>
8: Well, yeah, but I
11: what mean, about when Facebook wants to buy, Steve? Because you gotta figure the Libra fund's gonna start buying up all the IP
8: sooner or later. Okay. Well, I'll hire a team to deal with those assholes for me. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> no, I get I get your point. And like, yeah, to be useful, to be operational, it needs to put out a new price frequently and it, it needs to move a lot. I could put out a new price with every block. It would still have to average over, you know, blocks in the past because there could be a block that had very little price information in it. Um, So I I could make it update kind of every 10 minutes. That's kind of in the works. But um, I don't really want to do that. Uh, I don't want to write (laughs) the code. Got it. I don't. Yeah. Like if somebody wants to do that and figure out a way to pay me, I'd be happy to do it um yeah i don't know you have to work with either ant or tc to build a nice web interface for it dude Ant, that that web app thing that front end thing that ant has going on is fantastic that is i love that i think web apps especially like beautiful web apps like he's doing i think that is so the future yep Time Time Chain
14: Stats is ants, and then Time Chain Calendar is TCs. For anyone listening, they're pretty fucking awesome Bitcoin websites.
0: Steve, did you hear the earlier discussion about? Um, this is not price uh, related. This is a segue. But did you? Did, were you here for the earlier discussion when we were? mentioning this this new product that that is um being promoted by JP Morgan essentially it's like a some kind of derivative token thing for BlackRock shares not that you give a shit about any of this but like the the what we were talking about is, is that i feel like countries and big financial companies and and things like that are even even extra sovereign organizations like the IMF like they're in the process of climbing Mount Stupid, right? That in the beginning it was just ignore this shit; it's irrelevant. Then it's like, um, you know, maybe it's a thing. And then now they're in we need our own shitcoin phase. Do you do you have any thoughts on any of that? Do you even care?
8: Um, no, I, I didn't hear that earlier. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, they're probably gonna try to release their own token, and people are gonna buy it up, and it'll crash or something. That's kind of Interesting or expected. It seems like a little bit late. I I kind of have a minority, unpopular opinion in Bitcoin that Bitcoin is not for companies. Uh, Bitcoin is for people. I when I imagine like a, a CEO and a, a vice president's like getting together with their like signing ceremony, so they all sign the multisig for a transaction or something. Like I just don't see that happening. Um, I see.
0: But you companies. don't, you don't see companies doing signing ceremonies. You I don't mean, think that's yeah. going to be a thing.
8: No, I guess, I guess they can. I, I think they do now, but like, I don't even think. Oh, they definitely
0: do now. Like the biggest right, but, custodians are doing it now.
8: Yeah. I mean, uh, well, what do you mean by custodian?
0: Okay. So Bitco example, it's one of the no, largest digital custodians in the world today. Like right, a lot so, of people yeah. don't realize how big they are. Like put it this way, a third of the world's exchanges are built on their rails. Like 20% of all Bitcoin transactions by value move across Bitcoin, Bitco infrastructure. And they do signing ceremonies all day.
8: For sure. Yeah. And so in my opinion, Bitcoin get, can't get hacked fast enough. So like Bitcoin needs it or Bitcoin needs to get hacked. All of those corporations need to lose all of their money for trusting a custodian that they shouldn't have trusted. None of them should get bailed out. And that's, that's capitalism. That's awesome. Because if you don't hold your own keys, if you're trusting BitGo, not your keys, not your coins. No company owns Bitcoin. If they're using BitGo, they shouldn't have it on their balance sheet. They don't own it. Um, so I'm kind of like, I don't know, old
0: school. Fast forward. Let's Bitcoin. let's get the super. Let's get the super yeah. rugs going, and then like there will never be exactly. a third-party custodian again.
8: Well so it's such a beautiful decentralization because like you know we're like oh how do we keep monopolies from being too big like should the government have an anti-monopoly thing bitcoin has this naturally built in like if you're so big that you can't hold your own keys you know people hold their own keys companies don't hold their own keys generally right but well
0: thing, okay there's 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 a threshold at which in my observation um either people or entities start wanting to have a, a custodian and it, it, there's a value threshold. And I'm not going to say this is like the, the rule there's probably uh, what do you call that? Um, there's probably anomalies to this or whatever the word is. An exception. You know, there are. Yeah. Thank you wicked. That's the word I was searching for. There are exceptions to this, but once you reach a certain value size, oftentimes, especially if you have other people involved and responsible, for the for the whatever it is whatever the asset is now you have people who are concerned about getting sued over their handling of that value right so they're called fiduciaries when you get fiduciaries or people running managing family offices or when you get people who are running you know money for shareholders or something like that where they could basically the people who own the asset who are not managing the asset can sue the person who's managing the asset that's when you start to see pension funds large family offices companies like if if you, if a person has never managed you know 100 million plus it might not make any sense to them whatsoever but if a person has managed it and they're the ones that are going to get their asses if it screws up Those are the ones who are a little reluctant to go down this self-custody path.
11: I mean, we all see these these giant companies lobbying to try and make it harder and harder to buy Bitcoin and withdraw it, right? You've got to fill out surveys on these exchanges before you can withdraw now. You've got to answer four questions before you can send it to yourself. They're going to continue to raise the barrier so that they can have more centralized control of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean you're seeing it in banking constantly nowadays where they're basically like throwing, you know, wrenches into the gearbox of people trying to do transactions with their own friggin' money. It's disgusting to me.
8: Yeah. I I would recommend people uh look up an old YouTube uh, of Andreas speaking to some government in Canada, some kind of financial regulations board, and he explains very clearly that like whether you get hacked or not is basically just the size of your honeypot and it's just a matter of time so like whoever like is custing very large amounts of bitcoin whether it's BitGo or coinbase or something it's just a matter of time before some it guy get just withdraws all that money i mean we've seen it with quadriga we've seen it with what 80,
0: 90 but when you when you have signing our... ceremonies, that basically makes that impossible. I'm not going to say no. that. No, it doesn't. Well, well, no, Alex,
8: it makes it okay. tougher. But it, what it it, let
0: not. me put it. it let it me tougher. let me let me put it to you like this. It it requires collusion. That's the sure. key. And exactly. and you collusion have to have right. collusion. You have right. to have. Okay. Well, let me just describe the level of collusion. I'm not saying impossible. You guys are right. There is some percentage chance above zero. There's nothing that's foolproof, right? But collusion at this scale is pretty hard to achieve. So if you have three separate physical vaults located in different jurisdictions, those vaults are real vaults. These are not like some CEO with a with a cold card sleep with, under his pillow at night. These are actual, you know, vaults in bunkers with reinforced concrete and vault doors, time-locked vault doors, armed guards, things like that. And you have three of them separated geographically in different locations. And then you have multiple executives on the team who have to come together because each one has access to a shard. They have to access it physically based on a time-lock scenario. And then they have to add those shards together. And then that is secondarily checked by another third party before it's authorized. Like, there's just a lot of collusion that has to occur. This is how... You know, if you um, think this is a physical so. security issue, right? Let me finish. This is a physical security issue. Like you got to ask the question, how is art that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars protected today? how are how does the beer secure diamonds? how How is you know, trillions of dollars of gold secured? It's a physical security issue. That's how they do it. They just make it. They make it so that it's not impossible. It would just require a shit ton of collusion across different people. Watching each other, you know, like if you're trying to go into a gold vault in Switzerland, there's no one guy, right? It's multiple guys. They're all armed. And guess what? They're watching each other as well as you. Like it's a, they make it, it's a governance thing where it's like, we don't trust these humans because, and this is, this is how humans have done this for, for a long time. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of freaking collusion involved in, in doing some of this stuff.
14: Can we get a video
8: of you giving us a tour of one of these Bitcoin vaults? No. <laughs> uh, do you think the uh, CEO of Quadriga is dead?
0: I don't really. I'm not familiar with the Quadriga we, story. We
11: worked that lawsuit. We actually worked Miller and Thompson. Was Quadriga?
0: Was Quadriga sharded in, in different vaults? Was that a physical security no, issue? Or is it something different? A,
8: a lot of people think that the CEO figured out a way to fake his death. Um, and this could certainly happen with a group of three CEOs to figure out a way for them to disappear.
0: Um, oh, I, was, I see what you're saying. So you're saying it was a collusion situation with three different guys.
8: And, Did- and I mean, think about the incentive for that. I mean, it's somebody's like doesn't like their life. They just got divorced from their wife, you know. Like, uh, maybe you have two of the three CEOs in the same, and they're just like, dude, we could live in Hawaii, and you know, have this perfect life. I mean, the I think you're not. It depends on the setup. But well, no, did, did I agree. Zuzu thought he had that figured out pretty good but just look I Zuzu.
0: agree I agree, but it depends on the setup like you know these vaults are under twenty four hour video surveillance, so now you have to get the internal security guys on board with the with the with the scam you have to get i mean it's just the more people involved that are required for the collusion make it less likely and in in every situation where you see the the scammery it's only a couple of people who have the ability to do it maybe it's two maybe it's three like you say but
3: Alex, if you've in got most, in,
11: in most cases it's not even corruption you know these investors they call it uh, they call it fat fingering right or user error oh
0: like yeah
11: if a single user error or fat finger happens right
0: but uh, again if you have if you have governance in place where different people are verifying a transaction before it's approved then that is supposed to um, make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen.
8: So, I I mean, I I agree. I mean, there will be custodians. The more, like, sophisticated process with the more people they have, uh, that'll be better. Hopefully, there'll be more of them than just BitGo. But just my overall point is that, like, uh, there is a natural decentralization force in Bitcoin, which makes it so that, like, when BitGo gets hacked, you know, hopefully soon people will, will see this, you know, it's, it's just, it's for like regular capitalism. You don't want, you want a lot of things to fail on small scales and you want that to be distributed widely. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have one custodian where if they fail, they wreck the whole, the whole, economy.
0: man, what I was getting um, at with these big, with these big, you know, like the IMF and, and, and JP Morgan and countries, even issuing their own shit coins essentially is that's what i think the big big rugs are going to be and that's why i was asking you about that
14: i i
11: just steve you really think that in the next 10 years bitcoin becomes uh you more more self-sovereign and not the opposite i can't imagine that as companies and corporations get in and their boards have all sorts of stipulations about how they can buy it that they're going to be holding bitcoin themselves and as back to BAKKT and all these companies start to further their political interest again, um, I can't imagine they won't maintain their database offline. Um, I can't imagine most Americans won't be buying bank uh, buying crypto through brokers. So as this matures, I suspect most Americans will end up with paper Bitcoin before they end up with self sovereign Bitcoin. Um, certainly, in countries where we see financial collapse or crisis, we see people appreciate the, the, the true value of on chain Bitcoin, self sovereign I mean, Bitcoin. But we're probably 10, 15, 20 years from that in America.
14: Technically, most Americans will never have self sovereign
3: Bitcoin just because it's not technically feasible. Right.
13: But well, the, the, the way to measure it isn't like how many as a percent, like are most people going to be holding their own key? The way to measure it is to look at, are more or less people today learning about the value of self sovereign custody, and the answer is obviously more more and more every day by leaps and bounds. I mean the meetup was yesterday. Uh, we have a Bitcoin meetup here every Tuesday. We're getting in a bear market essentially so many new people, every one of them asking about harbor wallets, asking about best way to store their coin. This didn't happen before. It's moving so much faster. it's never going to be or at least ninety times soon the majority, but as in terms of total numbers, it's growing. Exponentially faster. The value of self custody is obvious. And when we're talking about institutions, it's not the same thing. An institution can't custody in the same way that an individual can. It because it is an institution. It is not a single entity. It has to sort in a way that makes sense for an entire entity. It's another. It's a different kind of uh, trust required for because the institution can't even trust itself. If I run a company with twenty thousand employees, I don't necessarily want one guy to have my keys. I mean, that's not sovereign
0: yeah it's in and it's the responsibility issue like I said before like i could I could see maybe some kind of multi sig situation where where various different fiduciaries have a key, but damn man like um i i i think fiduciaries would be very nervous about that, so I guess we're gonna see i mean this is this is an ongoing discussion. it certainly isn't over yet, Steve, we would like to have you back again, probably to discuss this more because. Um, I don't think this particular discussion's going to end maybe even for decades in terms of how do you, you know, custody Bitcoin. I'm in the, I'm in the camp of, you should have custody of your own Bitcoin. I'm a big self custody guy. Um, I encourage everybody who will possibly listen (laughs) to do that. Um, there are however, situations where people just won't do it. And, uh, that's the reality. So anyway, we're pretty much at the end of the show. Steve, thanks for joining us. This has been really cool. Everybody who's participated in the discussion, thank you so much. Steve, we're going to let you make some closing comments here before we wrap. Um, Anything you want. Talk about about Rally, Meetup. Talk about how people can find out more information about your Oracle, whatever you want.
8: Um, sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, great discussion. Yeah, If you want to find out more about the Oracle, go to utxo.live slash Oracle. Um, if you're in North Carolina near Raleigh, come to our meetups on Tuesday night at 6.30 at a bar called Rally Point. And uh, guys, we're so freaking lucky to be living in this time. Like, we are reinventing money. We. I mean, Bitcoin is the greatest thing on planet Earth by far. And It's a weird kind of responsibility that you are the generation that has to bring this thing to life. Um, It's kind of surreal in a way, but we are, and that's just how it is. And so we just got to keep on doing it, man. Like planet Earth is going to be so much better with a digital sound money. Everybody knows that, and it's up to us to make it happen. So
0: keep keep on doing God's work. I love it. It's up to us. Nobody's coming. You hear that? Everybody, not just the people here in the live show, but the people on the podcast, anybody who hears this, man, it's your job as well. If you are a Bitcoiner and you understand this thing, also your job. So we call that getting on the mission. Let's go. All right. That's a wrap. One quick thing. Bitcoin veterans is being recorded tonight. We're going to be addressing the situation in Israel, as well as sharing our personal experiences from Pacific Bitcoin. Hope to see you there. You have been listening Which to... Which time is that going to be on, Alex? I think it's going to be 7 p.m. Eastern, live. It'll also be recorded and posted on a pod. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news. Preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. And it is also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple if you can't catch the live show on Twitter Spaces. Thanks to Swan, Bitcoin sponsor of the show, my crew, Aunt Peter, Sats for Life, Wicked, Dombey, Producer Jacob, I'm your host Alex Stanzik work with Swan shoot me a damn if you want to know more thanks again Steve Crown all the speakers who come on here every single day appreciate you guys man bad guy scooter aka good guy Viker it's good to have you back again all right love you guys everybody go out there have a great day today crush it